0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to this new version of Trailblazers. Today is an exciting edition about uh, New Age Learning. And I have uh, Gabe Del Porto, the Chief Executive Officer of Udacity. Udacity is a next generation New Age learning platform, uh, which kind of uh, enables individuals and enterprises to uh, to uh, be a part of the future digital Uh, Digital age. Prior to joining uh, Udacity, Gabe uh, worked at LendingTree where he was uh, at several leadership roles, chief marketing officer, chief financial officer. Uh, He joined the board in 2017 and has been an active part of the LendingTree board. And uh, then he continues to uh, be a board board member for Guitar Center as well. Uh, Gabe has a bachelor's degree in nuclear engineering from the University of Florida and A master's degree for nuclear engineering from MIT. Gabe, uh, thank you for joining us today, and welcome to this next edition of Trailblazers.
1: I'm really excited to be here. Thank you.
0: So, Gabe, you know, as I was going to your through your profile, the one thing which struck me is we have one thing in common, which is uh, we both have a degree in nuclear engineering, and we kind of diversified ourselves to do other things in life. Uh, I was kind of curious to know uh, whether is this neither for multiple professions in life changing industries changing uh, professions uh, what you do today to uh, how you started your career with is this the new mo- new modern worker uh, the potential of a new modern worker
1: um, I, I think it really it really is you know I studied nuclear engineering uh, because I love the challenge uh, I love the disciplines um, you know I had to touch I love the, um, the problem solving. Uh, I then, you know, got out into nuclear engineering, and and it was fun. But, um, you know, I wanted to do kind of more and more broad uh, things in my career, and so I moved into strategy consulting, having no experience in strategy consulting, or business, for that matter, and um, was able to take my engineering problem solving skills and apply it to uh, to strategy, and did pretty well there. Then I moved into marketing of all things, and worked up uh, through the marketing ranks to uh, chief marketing officer, then became president. Uh, and then CFO at LendingTree, and, um, and now CEO CEO of Udacity. And I think the thing that really carried me through all of that was really a natural curiosity. I just love learning, learning things, and the foundation of really good problem solving skills. And so I was able to step into a uh, a new career each time where I had very little experience, and um, and just you know go at it and learn and apply structured problem solving to that role, and and ultimately become pretty successful. And I think. If you think about um, what that means to others in their careers, um, you know the idea that the degree you graduate in is where you're going to spend your career, I think, is is pretty an, a pretty antiquated notion. And if you if you take your energy, your curiosity, your problem solving, and apply it to learning different professions and careers, I think you know, the sky's the limit to what you can achieve.
0: Thank you, Gib. Uh, in fact, uh, curiosity is so so critical for problem finding and problem solving is uh, equally critical in workplaces. So it's kind of uh, so important what you said. Uh, you know, just uh, touching upon uh, what you just said about degrees, uh, in spite of the uptick in the online uh, online learning market, uh, ironically, because of the pandemic, if I may, uh, we still don't see a big shift from degrees to skills. Uh, the journey which Udacity has taken forth in the last uh, many years about creating, uh, creating micro-content and micro-degrees or nano-degrees, as you call it, and then, you know, in some ways, clustering them up uh, to, to create online continual learning. Uh, it's still not really shifted the, degree, uh, the degrees from the needs of employers. What do you see would be the inflection point to do that?
1: I do think that we are at the beginning of a sea change today and um, the world economic forum the american workforce policy advisory board have both been working on this question of how you bring skills into the mainstream and there's some there's some good foundational work that needs to be done in terms of developing skills ontologies which is a fancy way of saying you know how do you map skills to specific jobs um as well as uh standards for how do you certify someone has really achieved proficiency and a skill level because if you graduate from a machine learning course at one um, uh, program versus another, you, you will wind up with different you know, standards and levels of proficiency and how do you measure that. Personally, I believe we need to move to a uh, system that measures actual proficiency as opposed to what academia does uh, in their certification, which is you know, measuring how many degrees your professor has or how many hours of in-person instruction and not really caring about the actual outcome. Um, and so I think we we have a lot of work to do in terms of developing standards, measuring those standards, developing common skills, and mapping to uh, uh, to actual jobs. So that's foundational work that um, um, both those organizations are working on. Even so, we're we're already seeing pretty rapid change in uh, organizations' willingness to to um, a, adopt a skills-based hiring process. The US government recently moved to skills-based hiring over degree-based hiring, US government being the largest employer in the United States. Um, global 2000 clients, you know, Udacity's working with over 100 global 2000 clients that are using our platform to upskill their workers. And then they immediately apply those, uh, those workers into new jobs and onto their, uh, their jobs every day. AT&T is a great client of ours. That is a great example where they've upskilled literally thousands of employees. Uh, through our platform at Udacity. And they explicitly accept nanodegrees as proof of skills proficiency and eligibility for all internal job transfers. So uh, we're seeing it. We're seeing it real time. We're seeing it live. We're seeing, you know, really a sea change. Um, A lot of foundational work still needs to be done, but um, in the interim, we're not stopping and and we're starting to see uh, organizations uh, adopt the same process.
0: And Gabe, you know, just a related thought on this, Uh, you know, while online training is so critical, for reskilling. One of the things I've personally observed is and you you and I have discussed about Reskill Restart, which is a a very interesting consortium uh, touching upon the value chain of reskilling. And we believe the pandemic, in many ways, has decimated industries. And you need to move people from one industry to the other. So you need to evaluate skills. You need online training, then you need apprenticeship, and then you need a marketplace. Tell us a little bit about how apprenticeships comes into into picture so that you could actually do radical reskilling in comparison to just upskilling from one capability to the other.
1: Yeah, and and look, the disruption that's come with COVID has been pretty dramatic. And, you know, I grew up in a coal mining um, area of West Virginia. And, you know, I've seen what happens when industries automate and, you know, people don't reskill. I mean, you know, West Virginia used to have really vibrant downtowns and country clubs that you know my family would go to. And I go back today, and a lot of those towns are, you know, are boarded up and a lot of country clubs are shut down and and there just isn't that same level of economic prosperity there might have been 20, 30 years ago. And so for me it's really tangible, like that, you know, the fact that we need to upskill uh, people. What synthesis is doing is is truly incredible. Um, you know, uh, partnering with industry employers, with government agencies, with economic development groups, with um, education providers, with tech providers uh, to, uh, to train employees and, and then also match them with internships and employment. Um, it's, it's really comprehensive. It's exactly the right thing to do. But it's also a very, very heavy lift for one organization uh, to do on their own, right? Uh, or to have a, a handful of organizations try to transform a society and an economy. This is the area where we need really public-private partnerships to come together at scale. We need we need work on a national level. We need a Mars, you know, a mission to Mars type investment in reskilling people. Uh, we have tens of millions of people out of work today, um, and World Economic Forum, McKinsey both predict that that's just going to uh, accelerate. Uh, at the same time. Enterprises literally cannot hire enough employees to fill their digital transformation needs. They just can't. There's not enough people in the world with machine learning, data analytics, um, cloud computing, cybersecurity type skills. And the US needs, needs to make a massive investment to, to upskill five to 10 million people over the next five years on tech skills. And you know to do that requires money. The US government needs to step up and state governments need to step up and provide what I call you know short-term Pell Grants. You know so every individual should have the ability to spend up to one or two thousand dollars on credential-based training on future forward skills where there's jobs and if we did that we could upskill you know five to ten million people pretty quickly vastly more cost effectively than the university system and totally align with job skills we also need to provide tax incentives to businesses um, who have employees and want to reskill them and so provide incentives for them to reskill their employees instead of firing one group of employees and trying to hire another group of employees which is a total waste of human resources um, and upskill new hires so people coming on who maybe don't have quite the level of skilling then let's get them skilled and get them into those uh, those roles and and catapult their earnings and catapult the economy and so employers are going to play a big role in this the u.s government has it a- Play a big role in this, and it needs to be focused on you know short-term um, job skills credentialing, and not hundred, two hundred thousand dollar four-year degrees. You know that, that not really going to be able to solve
0: anything at scale. Thank you, Gabe, for that question. In fact, um, I do believe that uh, online training platforms um, will democratize learning to such an extent that uh, the reach of uh, education would be to very diverse parts of uh, societies did you see a shifting profile of uh, who comes to udacity for a nano degree um, and and I, and I i do believe that if employers start to do start to um, start to move from degrees to skills uh, it will be it will be an inflection point of diversity do, do, do you see that happening with a normal user at uh, udacity in, in recent times
1: for sure we do and um you know there's th- the real problem with uh diversity and you know some of the disenfranchisement uh, from rural communities minority communities is a public university costs a hundred and twenty thousand dollars today that's just not approachable for most people or many people a private university would be three hundred thousand plus, and it takes four years and you know you might you might have to have a family you're supporting or something. It just makes it very difficult for people to pull themselves up um, and dedicate that amount of, uh, of money and time. Uh, conversely, it's something like a nanodegree takes four to five months part time, and it costs about $1,200. And you can get a job the next day, right? And so that is really democratizing. It's a huge leveler um, in terms of the ability to get access to um, to good-paying jobs. and. One of our significant um, initiatives at Udacity was really uh, creating what we call um, our our Pledge to Equality. And uh, we granted 1,000 nanodegree scholarships to to black learners in high demand fields. And to date, we've already issued 700 of those scholarships. Um, And the most popular programs there are uh, full-stack web development, front-end development, digital marketing, intro to cybersecurity, and UI UX design. And so you can see that we're you know, today at scale working to give access um, to underrepresented groups and to help, um, help provide an on-ramp to the technology uh, um, economy. And uh, we've also, to amplify those efforts, uh, partnered with other organizations. You know, for example, we work with um, uh, AT&T and uh, they've uh, jointly funded $100,000 of uh, scholarships with us to in- underserved communities. Uh, likewise, we work with others like uh, Burlesman and other organizations uh, to do, to do the same. So there's a lot of organizations that um, want to do good through corporate social responsibility. Udacity is one of them. Um, the ability for uh, underprivileged, underrepresented uh, um, groups to to break into the knowledge economy, the tech economy, is really unprecedented now, and um, and so I, I do think it's a huge enabler.
0: And Gabe, you know. Uh, <coughs> One of the things uh, I have observed, and um, I think you kind of touched upon it a little bit is uh, as the life of skills is shrinking, you know, um, in nuclear sciences, we call it half-life. The half-life of skills is shrinking. um, You're going to find the lines between employers and educators blurring. Um, Do you see, and I know that you are a direct to learner company, uh, do you yeah. see a switch to uh, enterprises and being a part of enterprise reskilling journeys? Um, the role of Udacity and, and, and what, what happens in the future? You know, the future is certain that you're going to have micro learning on mega platforms. But will the switch be the ownership of reskilling be a joint responsibility of enterprises? And therefore, uh, companies like Udacity have to go from direct to learner to direct to business.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, a few statistics here for you, um, 80% of enterprises, actually 82% of enterprises, large enterprises, Fortune 500, global 2000 companies, um, according to our proprietary research, say they have a troubling skills gap and 70% of them say it's preventing innovation and 52% of them say upskilling is a top priority for them. And so enterprises feel this pain, uh, today. And, um, you know, so we, and it probably would surprise most people that enterprise is our largest business today. Uh, we do more um, more upskilling with enterprises and with governments than we do with individual uh, consumers. And, uh, and what's important about enterprises is they really care about the outcome. So we typically partner with chief digital officers, chief information officers, uh, business leaders to understand their major uh, skill set gaps and then help reskill their internal employees on those uh, skill set gaps. So we've become kind of mission critical to their ability to achieve their goals. Um, one great example of that would be our um, partnership with uh, with Shell, where um, they had a central data science group that serviced, I think they're in like 70 countries or something, like service all their countries worldwide. And it was just totally incapable of um you know addressing the global needs on analytics and so they came to us and said um look we don't have data scientists across the globe but what we do have is a bunch of geological engineers civil engineers structural engineers mechanical engineers people with pretty good engineering and you know data skill sets but you know no clue on machine learning and we want to create a citizen data scientist uh track and and democratize those skills and so we did, we created this, you know, specialized uh, nano degree. We um trained, you know, hundreds of people uh across the globe. And then the field engineers have done really remarkable things with that knowledge. Like for example, one of uh, the engineers built a machine learning knowledge uh, model that took streaming data from all their equipment through all their rigs across the globe um and built a model that would predict 2 weeks in advance when a rig would fail. And if you don't know, every time a rig fails, it costs them about $2 million in lost downtime. They were able to get the machinery out on site and repaired so there was no downtime and it saved them $2 million per incident and something like $100 million cumulatively. And so enterprises see the need for this democratization of of like machine learning, data analytics skills and other skills across the globe. Um, And they're starting to really lean into that. And that's where Udacity comes in.
0: That was such an awesome, wonderful conversation, Gabe. Thank you so much for your brilliant thoughts. Uh, education is going to go through significant transformation into the into the digital era we are all going to be. In fact, it's kind of accelerated because of the pandemic. Ironically, you know there has been massive disruption in in landscapes with with the embrace of digital technologies. Thank you again for um, for joining us today on this wonderful conversation, and uh, I'm so looking forward to a partnership with Udacity. Well,
1: thank you. I really enjoyed the conversation today and uh, look forward to uh, speaking more.
0: Thank you so much.